Good morning, South Durham Church, and welcome again to worship. I'm so glad that we get to continue through God's Word in the midst of times like these. I cannot wait to see you face to face. Today we're continuing our series through the book of 2 Corinthians, and we're talking about the comfort of resurrection hope. We're talking about the strength that God gives through the hope of resurrection for all the trials of life. So I'm excited to be talking about that with you today. Before we dive into the text, I want to just share a little bit about uh, the life of our church and update as we are thinking together about how to regather as a church family. Uh, you know, many of you, that we are planning for what the next phase looks like. We sent out a survey earlier this week. Many of you have answered that. Thank you. That helps us in our planning. I want you to know our, our priority in, in leading through and thinking through this whole situation, our priority has been the glory of God and the good of His people and uh, love. I want you to know we're not leading out of fear, but we're leading out of love. We're trying to take care of ourselves, of each other, and of our city. Love our city and love for each other is what we're trying to demonstrate through the way we're thinking through this. And I know that as we walk through the rest of these 12 to 18 months, whatever it's going to be as we're dealing with the coronavirus, uh, as we walk through that, sometimes some of you will feel like we're moving too fast. Some of you will feel like we're moving too slow. Uh, some of you will think, you know, this is just right. Leadership is doing great. And, uh, and we want you to know that that's okay. That if we're in different places on this, that's okay. This helps us to, to learn how to live together as a congregation in the midst of differences. There are, there's no perfect decision in these times, and we don't certainly claim to make perfect decisions, but we're seeking God's will, and we're, we're learning from uh, public health experts and government authorities the best that we can to make the best decisions we can that would, that would bring glory to God in how we gather and, and when we gather, and would love you and love our city well. I want you to know that, that your elders love you and care for you. We care for the city. We're leading for the glory of God and the love and care of people. That's our goal. That's our heart. Now, many of you have been praying for us, and we want to say thank you. Uh, you've reached out. You've let me know that you're praying. Thank you for praying for us as we make these decisions. And to those of you in the medical field that we've reached out to to get your advice, your thoughts, and your opinions on this, thank you for providing that. Uh, none of us claims to be an expert in health at all. Uh, so thank you. It's very helpful that you've partnered with us to help make good decisions as we lead through these days. Uh, be watching Slack and email for more info uh, to come in the days and weeks ahead. And uh, I just look forward to seeing you eyeball to eyeball, opening up God's Word, and looking you in the face again soon. I want to pray for us, and then I'm going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and then we'll dive into the text together. Let's pray. Lord God, I ask that you would now give us joy and peace in believing, that you would strengthen our faith through this, uh, through this time in your word. I pray, God, that you would help us not to lose heart, but to find hope and comfort and strength in the resurrection. And I pray for anybody specifically whose faith is wavering today. I thank you that you've kept them, that you brought them here to this place to watch this or to listen. And Lord, I pray you would be with them and your Holy Spirit would strengthen them even now. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God's Word in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says this. 
Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs not to God, or belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Now we're in these extraordinary times where there's great temptation for us to lose heart, for us to want to give up, uh, for us to, to lay down our faith and lay down the mission. You know, 2020 was already gonna be a, a year where there would be temptation to lose heart. Uh, it's an election year and there's always these political battles and challenges that threaten to divide the church and divide people. On top of that, you put the, the pandemic that we're all walking through, and there's this trial that we're going through together, and it would be easy for us to lose heart. And then you add to the mix just the fact that life is hard in general, that life is a struggle normally. And we're all going through different kinds of trials and difficulties in the midst of this pandemic in an election year. And there would be every reason for us to lose heart uh, to throw up our hands and say, God, this is too much. We can't keep going. But this passage is written from a man, the Apostle Paul. It's written from a guy who, who had every reason to lose heart, but found strength in God in times of difficulty. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he's talking to us about the comfort of resurrection hope. And I take it by God's grace that you've not lost heart yet, otherwise you wouldn't be watching this. And so we're here together 
holding on to God, holding on to faith, uh, trying to minister to the world through the midst of this virus and the trials of life in an election year. And we're looking to God for comfort and strength to keep going. And that's what it means not to lose heart. It means to keep going. Here in chapter 4, the Apostle Paul tells us how he did it, how he did not lose heart. And as we attend to his words, as we pay attention to them, we are going to be strengthened in our faith to continue going in ministry as a church this year too. Here's how I want to approach this. As we walk through this chapter together, we're going to see five symptoms of a church that's lost heart. And in that, we'll, we'll talk about some of the dangers. What happens when a church loses heart? What's wrong with that? What's bad about that? And then three antibodies against losing heart, right? So if you have these in your system, you won't lose heart. And then one vaccine that will keep our hearts beating through anything. Okay, five symptoms of a church that's lost heart, three antibodies against losing heart, and one vaccine that will keep our hearts beating through anything. So we start with five symptoms of a church that's lost heart. The first is that they resort to underhanded ways. That's how Paul puts it there in verse 2. He says, but we, he says, we've not lost heart, but we have renounced disgraceful underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. So in other words, if we lose heart, if we lose faith in God, we'll be tempted to disgraceful, underhanded ways to practice cunning and to tamper with God's word. We will fall into conspiracies as a church, sort of tell secrets and won't do things out in the open. Or we'll, we'll, we'll do bait and switch sort of advertising. If you'll come to Jesus, all your problems will instantly go away because we'll try to lure people in so that we can feel strong. Uh, that would be a sign of a church that's lost heart in the gospel. Or we'll make false promises. Again, we'll say to people, if you have enough faith, then your life will be great in the here and now. That's not the promise of Jesus. The promise of Jesus is, if you follow me, it will be hard. It will be difficult. It will be a struggle, but it will be worth it in the end. But see, if we lose heart, then we'll be tempted, we'll resort to underhanded ways. On the other hand, a church that hasn't lost heart, that has faith in the power of the gospel and the reality of Jesus, will speak Jesus openly. Won't need to, to resort to underhanded shady ways, but we'll just speak Jesus' open statement of the truth. We would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. That's the first symptom of a church that's lost heart. They resort to underhanded ways. The second symptom of a church that's lost heart is they forget the real war they're in. This is in verses 3 and 4. Paul says, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So, if we lose heart, we'll begin to think that people's responses to the message of Christ are dependent on us. They'll set up, if a church loses heart, they'll set up this idol that says, if nobody is coming, if, if the church isn't growing, 
then, then our identity is messed up. There's something wrong with us and our identity will be hooked to how the world responds to the gospel message. And they'll forget, if, if a church loses heart, they'll forget the real war they're in. They, they will stop believing in Satan. That They'll stop believing that it's a spiritual war that we're fighting. And their prayer meetings will be empty. But on the other hand, a church that hasn't lost heart remembers that the real war is spiritual. See, people don't respond to the gospel, not because we aren't good enough at presenting it, but because Satan has blinded their eyes. That's what Paul says. The real war is spiritual. The way to effective ministry isn't through more charismatic leadership or more convincing arguments, as helpful as those things might be. The the way to effective ministry is prayer. Ministry that changes lives is dependent on God and openly proclaims Jesus, trusting God to do the work. So that's the second danger or the second symptom of a church that's lost heart. They've forgotten the war that they're in. They think it's all dependent on them and not on God who raises the dead. Third symptom of a church that that has lost heart is they proclaim themselves as Lord and they use Jesus. See, if this is in verse 5, Paul says, What we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. So that's what we want to be, a church that doesn't lose heart, proclaims Jesus as Lord, doesn't proclaim ourselves. But if a church is trying to look impressive, if a church is trying to look strong to the outside world, that's a symptom of losing heart in the power of the gospel, in the power of the real risen Christ. If you and I are looking to be an impressive church that looks strong, then it's a sign that we are losing heart in the reality of Jesus. We're beginning to think that we need to look impressive, that we need to have a strong church that, where everybody's life is clean and put together in order to uh, win people to Christ. But the reality is, on the other hand, what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. We are not here to tell people that we have got it all figured out. We're not here to to have it all figured out or try to live like we are better than people. We're here to proclaim Jesus as Lord. And part of the proclamation that Jesus is Lord is an admission that you and I are not. It's an admission that, that we need Him as our Savior. It's an admission that we are broken. And so we come to Him and we say, Jesus, make us clean, make us new. We believe that you've done that at the cross. We trust you and you are Lord. And that frees us to be open with others about Christ. That's the third symptom of church that's lost heart. They proclaim themselves as Lord and then they use Jesus. They speak in religious language to bolster their own self-confidence and their own self-image. Here's the fourth symptom of a church that is losing heart. They forget God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. They forget God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Look with me at verse 6. Paul says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. A church that's losing heart is a church that has stopped looking at Jesus. 
It's a church that has forgotten maybe the reality of Jesus. A church that's living in the theories about Jesus, right belief, right, right doctrine about Jesus, which is important, but has forgotten the reality of the risen Lord. They know everything and they have the right answers, but they spend no time in prayer. They, they, uh, they have arguments for the faith, but they don't have a connection with the Holy Spirit of God. They aren't living out of a real relationship with Jesus. Uh, they're just sort of living as if Jesus is right and true, but he's far off. That's a sign of a, of a church that's losing heart. They forget the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. On the other hand, a church whose faith is strong is looking to Jesus, is resting in Jesus, is finding their strength every day in their relationship with Jesus. So the fourth symptom of a church that's losing heart is they forget God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. And the fifth symptom of a church that's losing heart is they are driven to despair when difficulty comes. They are driven to despair when difficulty comes. This is in verses 7 to 12. I love these verses where Paul says, we have this treasure in jars of clay. The treasure is the gospel. The jars of clay are our weak, mortal bodies. And we have this treasure in these jars of clay to, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So we're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. See, if we lose sight of the power of the gospel, if we begin to lose heart, then we'll be crushed when the affliction comes. We'll be driven to despair when we're confused. We'll feel forsaken when we're persecuted. We'll be destroyed when we're struck down. And we'll feel like death is coming when we feel dead. But the, the radical paradox of the gospel in these verses is that if we have this vital link to Jesus, if we are living in light of the reality of Christ, then, then when we are afflicted, we won't be crushed. When we're perplexed, we won't be driven to despair. When we're persecuted, we'll know we're not forsaken. When we're struck down, we won't be destroyed. And when we are feeling death, when we're feeling our bodies wasting away, then we'll know that the life of Jesus is being manifested through us. We're being given over to death, verse 11, for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be, more, uh, may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. As our bodies are wasting away, we are able to bring glory to Jesus who died and rose again. So that's the fifth symptom of a church that is losing heart. They're driven to despair by difficulty. Now, how do we, how do we prevent that from happening? Well, there's three antibodies in this text against losing heart. If we have these in our system, we'll be protected from the disease of a lost heart, of, of despair, of giving up. And what are they? The first is that God has been merciful to us. That's the first antibody. If you carry this around, if you remember this, then you will not lose heart. This is just verse 1 again. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Paul knew that his ministry wasn't something that he climbed up into by his own strength. It was a gift given to him by the mercy of God. We know that our salvation isn't something that we've earned, that we have achieved because we are good people who believe the right kind of things. But we have been given the gift of salvation and we've been brought up into this mission of God's church by the very mercy of 
God. We see it again in verse 6. God said, let light shine out of darkness, and he's shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We, we didn't know Jesus. We were going the other way from Jesus. We were trying to live our own lives out of our own strength. But God intervened because he loved us, being rich in mercy. And if we will remember the mercy of God towards us, if we'll look back to the cross and remember that, that Jesus died there in our place, and that, that means that the punishment of God is now not on us, but it was on him. It means that all the shame that there is for all our sins has been laid on him so that we can now stand before God. If we remember the mercy of God for us, it'll help us not to lose heart. It'll protect us like an antibody protects us from disease. The second antibody to have in your system that'll keep you from losing heart is to remember that God is extending grace to more and more people through us. So not only has God been merciful to us, but God is extending grace to more and more people through us. Look at verse 15. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. What Paul is saying is that his ministry and our ministry of being agents of the gospel in the world, ambassadors for Christ in the world, is the, is the way that God extends his grace to more and more people. And as those people come to Christ, they give thanksgiving to God, and that brings glory to God. So if you will remember your purpose, our purpose as a church, that that our purpose is that God is extending his grace to more and more people through us as we stay faithful to Christ, that will help us not to lose heart. God has been merciful to us and God is extending grace to people through us. We have a purpose that can't be shaken. The third antibody to have in our system to protect us from losing heart is that God is preparing us for an incomparable, eternal weight of glory. God is preparing us for an incomparable, eternal weight of glory. Verse 17, For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. I want you to remember that Paul had gone through beatings, shipwrecks, sufferings, stonings, rejection, and betrayal. And of all of that, he says, this light momentary affliction. The worst that we go through in this world is not able to be compared to the eternal weight of glory that has been prepared and is being prepared for us in the resurrection. If we will remember that God is preparing us in our suffering for this eternal weight of glory, that will help us not to lose heart. Whatever you're going through, whatever trials on top of the pandemic, on top of maybe the anxiety of an election year and whatever else is going on in your life, God is with you in it and he is preparing you. If you're a believer in Christ, he is preparing you for an eternal weight of glory. Now, what is an eternal weight of glory? C.S. Lewis gave a famous sermon called The Weight of Glory, where he talks about that. And he says this, It is written that we shall stand before him. In other words, that we shall appear, shall be inspected. The promise of glory is the promise, almost incredible and only possible by the work of Christ, 
that some of us, that any of us who really chooses, shall actually survive that examination, shall find approval, shall please God. To please God, to be a real, listen to that, to please God, to be a real ingredient in the divine happiness. To be loved by God, not merely pitied, but delighted in as an artist delights in his work or a father in a son. It seems impossible, a weight or burden of glory which our thoughts can hardly sustain, but so it is. An eternal weight of glory, meaning that God will will see you and be pleased with you forever. Your sufferings now, your trials are preparing you for an incomparable weight of glory. When God will see you and you will see him face to face if you believe in Jesus, and he'll say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And he'll take delight in you as a father and a son, as a mother and her children. He will delight in you. So God has been merciful to us and God is extending his grace to more and more people through us. And God is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory. Those are three antibodies in this chapter against losing heart. Look to the cross, look to the purpose, the mission, and look to the future. And don't lose heart. Now, how do we get these antibodies in our spiritual system? Well, we have to take the one vaccine that will keep our hearts beating through anything. I want to talk about that now. The one vaccine that will keep our hearts beating through anything. And this is in verse 18. Here's what Paul says. We look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Ever since I was a little kid, I've, uh, I've wanted to be a pilot. I grew up playing a lot of Microsoft Flight Simulator with my dad. We, we clocked, I don't know how many hours, taking off at Miggs Field, flying around downtown Chicago, looking at the tall buildings. I just loved flying. And in seminary, I had the opportunity to take some flight lessons. And it's awesome. And in your first flight lesson, you know, the instructor who's there with you takes off and then they give you the controls and they talk you through flying around. And then they even talk you through landing. You have the controls as you land the plane. It is a blast. But as my, one of the things that I've looked into as I've been interested in, you know, in general aviation, flying small planes, is I looked into why is it that, that small planes go down? You know, what causes the crash? And one of the most uh, common things is, is when a pilot who is trained to, to use what's called visual flight rules uh, flies into a situation where there's bad weather and visual flight rules no longer apply. And, and what, what they need to do instead is not trust their eyes or their senses, but trust their instruments. You know, trust the altimeter, trust their airspeed indicator, all that. What happens is they'll, they'll be using visual flight rules. They'll be, be going on, flying with your eyes, looking at the horizon, being able to see, the, and then all of a sudden they're in a cloud or, or a storm comes up and they can't see. And I, I, as I've read, there's this experience, this strange experience that even if you know that that's going to happen uh, when you get in that situation, you feel like this great tension. It's very difficult to believe the instruments when your whole body is telling you that, that something else is happening. You know, you might feel like you're right side up, but your instruments are telling you upside, you're actually upside down. And it's really hard to overcome the sense of your body and trust the instruments, but it's trusting the instruments that will keep you alive. 
Now, we as Christians must look not to the things that are seen, but look to what's unseen. We have to keep our eyes fixed on the instruments. What are the instruments? It's the Word of God. The, the Word of God is what will keep us from spiritual shipwreck and keep us from losing heart. As we look at the Word of God and believe the story of the world that's presented there for us, we will be living in reality, even if our bodily senses make us feel like this can't be true. On the other hand, if we trust our senses, we trust our eyes, we trust what we can see, trust what everybody else says, we will be in danger of being completely upside down and not even knowing it until it's too late. So the one vaccine, the one thing to do if we want to not lose heart is to root ourselves in God's Word, to look not to what is seen, but to what is unseen. And that is the future that's depicted for us in the Bible. That is the, the spiritual world that is revealed to us in the Bible, th that is more real than the world that we can see, taste, touch, and smell now. So, church, I want to call you to look to the Word of God. If you don't know where to start, if you're not reading the Bible right now, read the Psalms. Read a Psalm a day. Be in God's Word. Hear from God. Let Him speak to you in the Psalms so that you know what reality is. And then I want to invite you to join us in prayer, praying at 8 o'clock Sunday nights, uh, praying in community groups. Pray for God to help you stay grounded and not lose heart, and pray for, for God to help everyone else in this church not to lose heart, but to stay in the faith. And then pray for your, your coworkers and your neighbors and whoever the Holy Spirit lays on your heart. We have got to trust the Word of God. That's the one vaccine that will give us these three antibodies of God's mercy at the cross, uh, of, uh, of God's using us in His mission in the world now, and the third antibody of the trust of the eternal weight of glory that's coming for us in the future. We get those in our system by being in God's Word and being in prayer and communion with God. Would you join me in prayer now? Let's pray. Lord, I ask you to help us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. There's a lot going on in the world that could distract us. There's a lot of things we could be afraid of, a lot of things that we feel like maybe we need to weigh in on in some way. But Lord, what we need most of all is the reality of Christ on our hearts, your presence. And I ask you, please, God, now, be with your people, strengthen your church, help us not to lose heart, help us to continue to walk by faith, not by sight, help us to look to the unseen and not what is seen, help us to trust you and trust your word. And Lord, where we are faltering in our faith, I pray that we'd reach out for help and encouragement from other people in this church. And I pray for anybody who's watching who's not a believer in Christ now, who doesn't know what to make of all this, I pray that they would have the boldness to reach out and that we would be able to listen and help them know you. In Jesus' name, amen.